are a lot of people who are unhappy at work. And we know that at least some of their suffering is caused by the fact that the workplace doesn't always feel like a safe place. When people don't feel safe, they become guarded. And when people get guarded, they disconnect from each other. Disconnected people create disconnected teams, and that is really bad for business. I'm Candace Pentiato, and I lead a company called The People Side. We help companies get to the heart of human performance and improve team dynamics through an experience that we call the leadership living room. In the living room, we help teams reconnect with each other and have a better, more deeply human conversation. On this podcast, we are going to invite in business leaders, executive coaches, and leadership development experts to explore the conversations that people rarely have at work, but that impact the way people work together every single day. Welcome to the Leadership Living Room. It's me, Candice Pentiato. Thanks for joining us in the Leadership Living Room. Today, we're going to wrestle with vulnerability. And you've already clicked on a podcast called Demonstrating Vulnerability. So good for you. <laughs> uh, on today's episode, we are going to have a conversation that I think is really important that we start with a shared definition of what it is and what it isn't. What I'm not talking about is inappropriate disclosure. What I'm not talking about is TMI. What I'm not talking about is you sharing something that makes you seem less effective than you really are personally or professionally. What we are talking about is the kind of vulnerability that people demonstrate that makes them seem relatable, connected, authentic. And when you are able to demonstrate that kind of vulnerability, it really doesn't deserve the bad rap that it gets, right? When we say to a, when we say to a leader or a company, we'd like to help you work on being more vulnerable. You know, eyebrows wrinkle. Like, why would we do that? Why do we want a generation of vulnerable people in our workplace? But the reason why is because of what is happening inside of the human being, uh, an interpersonal process that's worth paying attention to. If we said we are looking for people who can say, I'm sorry, who can be honest and give candid feedback, who can tell the truth and say things like, I'm having a hard time forgiving you for how you treated me in that meeting right now. People go, oh, we do want that. We do want more candor. We do want more um, honesty in our workplace. Well, this is going to require vulnerability. So that's why we talk about it. That's why we teach it. And that's why we're here today to talk to, about it with you. Um, Brene Brown actually has spent her entire career researching vulnerability and shame. And so we're going to use her definition of what vulnerability is, and that is letting yourself be truly seen uh, despite an awareness of an uncertain outcome. So what does she mean by uncertain outcome? The Japanese character for the word vulnerability does a really good job of depicting what this might look like or feel like within ourselves. If you're watching this on YouTube, then you can see this character on the screen. If you're listening, I'm gonna do my best to describe it to you now. It is a symbol of a warrior down on one knee with his face looking up at someone who is cutting his head off with a sword. Now, the first time somebody shared this image with me, I was like, oh, well, we're not putting that up in a class because who would, who would ever wanna be vulnerable if that's, what, if that's what we're suggesting is happening? But it really is like so many characters in character languages, it's describing that sense of what's happening. And so 
when you are deciding to be vulnerable, that means that you're sharing information with someone in a way that they could hurt you now. That is what your brain is recognizing. This is a threat. You just said something that you know could come back at you or that they could use to break your heart or, or damage your reputation. You are vulnerable now. And now your brain is paying really close attention. If that person does hurt you, then they're now a threat to you. And you start laying bricks. You start building walls around yourself to prevent that from ever happening again, either with that person or with anyone else. I'm never going to do that again. I'm not going to say, will you be my friend or I love you or um, I, I feel this way. Because when I am honest about it, I get hurt. So guard up, armor up. I'm not doing that anymore. That's what happens when it goes bad. What happens when it goes well? When you extend vulnerability to someone and they don't hurt you, that's the thing to focus on right now on this podcast. Because your brain is neurologically noticing them becoming a safe person to you. There is an instantaneous connection that happens between you and the other person. They realize that they have the power to hurt you and you realize that you gave it to them. And when you don't hurt each other, that is the interstate to connection and trust. Vulnerability is the pathway you've been looking for to increase trust and connection in your workplace. So we're going to talk about this and we're going to talk about it with Andy Nelson. Andy Nelson is a lot of different things to me. Um, he's first and foremost my friend. I met him a couple of years ago and there was that instantaneous awareness that like you're my people, I'm your people. Uh, so we really enjoy hanging out with each other and we're really good friends. He also is an executive coach, so he does work with the people side. And so we know each other professionally. He's also a leader at a healthcare organization and leads a team who is practicing vulnerability with each other. And he role models that as a leader. And he's been on a journey with vulnerability. And that'll be what he'll talk to us about, um, how he's come to appreciate vulnerability throughout his career. And he's also a two-time stage four cancer survivor. He just got his second all-clear you have made it through this just a couple of weeks ago. So imagine going through that journey and wrestling with where's that boundary between letting people know what I'm going through and still seeming incredibly effective and competent and keeping my job. Um, I think he's going to be the perfect person for us to have this conversation with. And I'm just really excited that he's decided to join us today in the leadership living room. So get ready for a great conversation and stay with us all the way to the end because we are going to do an exercise with each other where you're going to hear us practicing vulnerability live, um, unscripted. And so uh, stay tuned for that. Let's go into the leadership living room. Hey, Andy. Hey, Candace. how are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing great. So excited. Thank you so much for joining us to oh. just wrestle vulnerability to the ground today. My pleasure. I am all in. <laughs> that's so that's so true. Actually, when I talked to you about shooting this podcast and about why leaders should demonstrate more vulnerability at work, you gave me a wholehearted yes. <laughs> um, yes, I will do that. Um, why is that? Why why does this topic resonate with you? Oh, well, it, it does have such personal resonance for me. And when you asked me, I thought, oh man, I just I want to tell part of my journey and what I've seen, because we, we, 
I think we've all seen situations where others have been vulnerable. It's helped us be vulnerable. And we've seen a lot of the opposite. Um, and as a leader and as someone who's led teams for a long time, and I think especially for men, sometimes there's a special stigma about how vulnerable should I be? Um, and and it's, it's, it's important to me. And as I did a little bit of research preparing for this, as you know, um, I was frankly blown away with just how much uh, data, evidence, articles, how much has been written just recently about the importance and the value of vulnerability. Yeah, it really is just a hot topic right now. And I think it has so much to do with how we're learning about how human beings are wired to work. And that it's so important to create these conditions where people feel safe in order for them to perform in their jobs. And to your point, a lot's being written about this in particular. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's, um, Articles, you know, just to, just to name a few here, I, I made a list so I wouldn't forget. Entrepreneur Magazine, Fast Company, Inc., Forbes, Harvard Business Review. Uh, yeah. so, so this is not fluffy BS kind of stuff. Like this is important values to our business, to our businesses. And it's, it's worth being talked about. In fact, there's a, um, when you like, I've got an excerpt from Harvard Business Review that I'd like to read about this too. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So... This is the story about a founder of a technology startup. And um, the name of the founder is Archana uh, Pecharajan. And she was the founder. She called her entire staff in for a meeting at one point because they had run out of money Mm. for the firm. So she could no longer pay them. Um, And she said that she just had to let everybody go. Shockingly, her entire staff of high-caliber engineers who had their pick of jobs in the booming Silicon Valley of India refused to go. They say they would rather work for 50% of their pay than leave her. Mm. They stayed and kept working so hard that a few years later, Archana's company sold for $14 million. And when they interviewed one of her longtime employees about, well, why did you do that? You know, why did you stay with her? cutting your pay in half. Um, this person said, here's what she did for us. Uh, we all work as a family because she treats us as such. She knows everyone in the office and has a personal relationship with each one of us. And she doesn't get upset when we make mistakes. She gives us the time to learn and analyze and fix it. Like who wouldn't want to work for somebody like that and look at the results? Totally. And what's so interesting about what you're saying is the thing that people are asking for, right? The, the, the things that the C-suite calls us to help them do. Um, can you improve accountability? Can you get them to be more candid and have more direct conversations with each other? Can you please help us get yeah. a more innovative culture, a higher risk-taking culture, a organization where people don't ask for permission or wait to be told what to do? Like, that's what they want, and yet they may be creating the conditions where people are just so guarded and afraid to fail and afraid of getting in trouble and shamed and blamed down that they would yes. never act that way at work. Oh, I so agree, Candace. And, you know, one of the, the misconceptions even I had as I was thinking about this is just thinking about vulnerability as more than just sharing your feelings. I mean, it's the root of 
creativity, innovation, like you say, trust, all these things that are super important for our business. We, we talk about those other words, but so much at the root of this, I think, is vulnerability. Yeah. So let's talk about you've been on your own journey when it comes to being a leader that demonstrates vulnerability in the workplace. Yeah. Um, take mm-hmm. us back to maybe how you used to be, <laughs> if you can describe for us maybe where the default settings started for you when it comes to vulnerability and, and walk us through how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah, yeah. I think my, my perception of vulnerability years and years ago when I was getting started was, um, I'll be vulnerable, I'll share something, but the intention was really to kind of impress you. <laughs> You know, like, oh, I'm going to tell you this secret. You didn't know this about me, but I'm a musician too, you know, or whatever it might have been with, you know, it, it's about the intent, you know? Um, and, you know, these days I, I see vulnerability as really sharing anything and everything that helps build a more authentic leader mm. and therefore uh, a more fearless human being, honestly. And, and on the way there, um, you know, I did not start up a company and sell it for $14 million, but I, I'm happy to say that, you know, I've had multiple people that have reported to me say that um, I'm the best leader they've ever worked for. I, one of the teams I led uh, had a 50% turnover rate when I took over. People were leaving like crazy. And soon after I joined, I got that down to 8%. And everybody wanted to stay. And I had somebody who reported to me for a long time period. Mm-hmm. And after he left my team, he actually came back to me. This was about a year later, I think. And he said, Andy, I just want to let you know um, that you saved my life. And I said, I'm thinking, you must be confused with a different leader, like rescued you from a burning building or something, right? I don't think I did that. Um, but he's like, no. Here's what you did. You took my situation where I was literally afraid to take any vacation time because I felt like nobody else had the knowledge or could have the knowledge that I have and Mm -hmm. run with all these systems. I was working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. You built trust with me. You helped convince me that other people can learn what I know and it's going to be okay. This is not a threat to get rid of me. And by doing that, I actually started taking vacation time. You convinced me it was help. It was necessary for not only the team, but my health and my family's health. And you took me from someone just on the edge of a breakdown to me and my family are so much happier. You, you saved my life. Oh, I just kind of want to sit in that for a second, Andy, because imagine mm-hmm. like, like this person's suffering. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that is that word that I attribute to what you just said is this person was suffering and it had you not come along as his next leader and just kept that train had just kept driving over him. Mm-hmm. He saw that as yeah. almost a life threatening situation that he was in and didn't yeah. know how to get out of it. That's a powerful yeah. example of why vulnerability and relatability, right? Connection mm-hmm. to you as a leader and you understanding for him what he was struggling with matters. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Can Can you talk about maybe one of the first times you experimented with vulnerability mm-hmm. in the workplace? Because often we just dip our toe in to see if the water is fine. Can you yeah. 
of maybe what your first uh, toe dip looked like? Isn't, yeah, so much truth there. I, I think the first time I was dipping my toe in it um, was when I was first leading teams. And I know we talked a little bit about uh, the inner child and, you know, how reconciling that can help us, I think, be more vulnerable. And so here I am getting to run my first team. And I was a little bit like a kid in the candy store, honestly. I'm like, ooh, what do I want to do with this team? It's reporting to me now. And so I fired up um, something I call the quote of the week. And it was literally a way for, at the beginning of my direct reports meeting, just to alternate through the team. I, I kicked it off by just bringing a quote of something that inspired me. Mm. Might have been business related, might not have been. Often we found crossover. Um, but just as a way to ground everybody and level set. And of course, just with me sharing a quote, and, and especially with uh, sharing a quote in front of your boss. Um, there's some vulnerability in that. Like, well, why, you know, you're, you're, you're suddenly exposing yourself. Somebody's saying, well, that's a stupid quote. Like, why'd you bring that one up? It doesn't have anything to do with work, you know, but in a small way, as I was thinking about dipping a toe into that, I think that was one of my first forays. That felt safe. That felt yeah, safe. Yeah, yeah. Right. It was safe enough. So now you have safely experimented with vulnerability and the, mm-hmm. and the journey continues for you and you probably begin to immerse yourself more in some of the practices of vulnerability. If I were to watch you in action now, what might be some of the things I would see you do that are important Mm. that you've learned matter? Yeah. One of them is doing what I just did now, which is pausing a little bit, honestly. (laughs) The younger me, you know, felt like I needed to have the answer immediately. Yeah. Um, well, think about perfect I, and control and some of those yeah. things when we admit we don't have those things, where we don't have the answers, we didn't get it right. Like all of those are moments of dancing with vulnerability in the workplace. That's, that's, I don't know how you're going to handle me right now that that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and how much have we been conditioned to have the right answers, you know, all the time and to be in control and to be in charge and... You know, one of the things that uh, I know Brene Brown uncovered in her research is that um, the greatest fear of of men, typically as as human beings and as leaders, is to appear being weak. And when I thought about that some more recently, like, yeah, a lot of my old behaviors, and still when today. I regress or go back to old behaviors. So much of it is about that. It's about the fear of appearing weak. Mm. And so to, I think a short answer to your question of what do I do today is I, I try to get comfortable appearing weak, <laughs> which sounds so crazy, right? But, but weakness goes along with not having the answers, like saying, boy, I, would you, I missed that. Would you say, and, and not just because I was on mute or multitasking during the meeting, but would you, would you say that again? I want to make sure I soak up your answer or I, I'm totally new to this space. To be honest, I don't know healthcare at all. Would you tell me what you mean by that? Yeah. This idea of weakness is one mm-hmm. that we confront a lot when we talk to leaders about being vulnerable. 
right? Mm. This is the bad rap that it gets is that it's a demonstration of weakness, not a demonstration of strength. And yet, yeah, you reflect on those moments where you had to admit the truth or I don't know, or I messed up. Yes. There is a mustering of courage and strength in that moment to give somebody feedback, to say what's hard. Uh-huh. There is, it's, it's not actually a signal of weakness to be vulnerable because if you've ever practiced it, you know how hard it is. Oh, so true. It takes such, it takes such courage to do it. And I re it, 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 things make much more sense often when we do it in rewind. Right. And so when I think back to when I was first trying this out, yeah, I realized the way my heart rate was going up and I was, um, afraid of failing. I, a quote I saw recently is, uh, we're not afraid of failure. We're, we're afraid of failure in public. <laughs> you know, like if I could just do this by myself, would anybody see that? You know, like how much you, you trip on the sidewalk, like, well, if nobody saw that, it never happened. Right. But here we are in the workplace by nature, we're collaborating. People are going to see us mess stuff up. Right. So it's, it's about how we, you know, respond versus react too, right? How are we going to respond to that? Are we willing to embrace that and say, yep, here's what I did. I I want to tell you, I was wrong about that, or I messed this up. Like just being able to start with that, like start with the truth for yourself and then be able to share it. There's a lot to that. What is really good about what you just mentioned, it's reminding me of how intentional a leader needs to be in those moments of vulnerability. When, when mm-hmm. somebody's telling you, I missed the deadline, I didn't get this done, I didn't, you know, how do you handle that person in that moment is going to, to shape that relationship? Yes. And whether or not they're ever going to tell you the truth again, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Isn't that true? And there are, you know, some, some techniques that we can use. Coaching is one of them, of course, to, which is largely about asking questions instead of telling people what to do in some ways. Um, But even without any of those, you know, advanced techniques, if you will, um, just by, just by listening. And one of the things that, that I've learned is just by, if I'm willing to share something, you know, like if, if we start here, if I can share a little bit, then you'll share a little bit. You know, the, the vulnerability brings out vulnerability. And what's great about that is it brings out those, those other great things we talked about, the, the essence, if you will, versus ego and the truth and the trust versus the mistrust and the fear. Absolutely. Totally. I love that idea of leveling up and the reciprocity that like leaders go, maybe have to go first and say, we're going to be a team who, who gets vulnerable with each other. I'll demonstrate what I mean by that. <laughs> and then oh, yeah. it elevates the rest of the group to follow them. I mean, talk about an invitation you've received in your lifetime, Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk about your journey through cancer mm-hmm. as a leader and as a human being and what that was like for you to find those boundaries for yourself in vulnerability in terms of like what stays private and what gets shared yeah. and how you, what choices you made. Yeah. I'd, I'd be happy to. And I want to start off just by mentioning one of the things that really came through for me during my cancer journey was just the power of 
interpersonal connections. And it got me thinking about people in my past that had set the standard for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leaders, um, Dr. Arthur Spring, who was still is my favorite teacher in college, who (laughs) the first man I can remember using the word beautiful and out of all the weird things, right, to, to grow up, I heard the word beautiful. And I thought, well, that's kind of a feminine thing, right? It's like how you describe a, a tablecloth. Like, well, it's either cute, pretty, or beautiful. You know, like, man, we don't have to go there. Was this this grown man talking about a poem being beautiful? About talking about a, human, a fellow human being being beautiful? Like, like, that set the pace for me. My dad set the pace for me by being willing to, to demonstrate by his actions that you can be someone who as a day job, whatever that might be, and also as a creative soul and someone who can listen to others. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to mention that because, you know, seeds that get planted can sprout anytime in the future, they like. And here it took me, you know, almost to be 50 years of age to realize, oh, (laughs) like what Dr. Spring did, did back in college, like that is in me. What my dad did and demonstrated for me, that's in me. Um, so I think in many ways, as I go into telling you a little bit more about my cancer story, uh, part of what I've tried to do now is become more of a seed planter by my own vulnerability, bring that out in others as well. And it was there to bloom in a moment like that also. Yeah. 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 It was, it was available to bloom. Yeah. Really important. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a, that's a good way to put it. So what I'd love to do is, um, uh, I've got a few things I like to read here, and uh, uh, I realize this is a little bit of uh, story time with Uncle Andy here. Cuddle up, kids. It's going to be fun, but I oh, promise you the, the juice is going to be worth this. Yeah, there you go, right? Cuddle up on the couch. The this is, um, I promise you the juice is going to be worth the squeeze on this stuff. I think this is, uh, and frankly, here I am being vulnerable, sharing. So the first, um, first two readings were written by others, and then I, then I have something special that I want to share with you guys that nobody else has ever heard before. So this first story, this comes from uh, Father Greg Boyle, who is founder of Homeboy Industries, and he's a Jesuit priest. And what he did is he found a way to hire former gang members into work. Mm. And you're nodding, and and you may be familiar with his work here, Candice. He, so Greg Boyle was, was asked to speak um, to a group of social workers, and he decided to bring with him a former gang member named Jose. So this is Jose's story, which Greg Boyle had never heard before, this story, and I want to share it with you. So Jose got up in front of those social workers and said, I guess you could say my mom and me didn't get along very well. I think I was six when she said to me, why don't you just kill yourself? You're such a burden to me. As the 600 social workers gasped, what Jose said next turned their gasps into laughter. It sounds way worse in Spanish, Jose said. Jose was nine when his mom drove to Baja, California and dropped him off at the door of the orphanage. Jose was there for 90 days until his grandmother found out where he was and rescued him. Upon his return home, his mom beat him every day. Jose would go to elementary school each day wearing three t-shirts. The blood seeped through the first one, 
Jose thought he could still see it on the second one, so he put on a third one. Kids at school made fun of him, calling him a fool for wearing that many shirts when it was 100 degrees outside. Greg Boyle said Jose stopped his talk at this point for a moment, as if he were staring at a piece of his story that only he could see. Then through tears, Jose said, I wore three t-shirts well into my adult years. I was ashamed of my wounds and didn't want anyone to see them. But now I welcome my wounds. I run my fingers over them. My wounds are my friends. After all, how can I heal the wounded if I don't welcome the wounds? Awe came over everyone in that room, Boyle said. People began to see themselves in kinship with Jose. Isn't that beautiful? That's extraordinary, Andy. Uh, talk about being that vulnerable to share your wounds. So the second uh. reading I've got for you, this one's from Henry Nowen. And we'll provide links to this for your viewers and listeners. So that was Jose's story, right? But we all have our own wounds. And this, you can't make this stuff up, right? This was literally the reading from a few days ago, October 9th in Henry Nowen's book. It's called Live Your Wounds. Mm. You have been wounded in many ways. The more you open yourself to being healed, the more you will discover how deep your wounds are. The great challenge is living your wounds through instead of thinking them through. It is better to cry than to worry, better to feel your wounds deeply than to understand them, better to let them enter into your silence than to talk about them. The choice you face constantly is whether you are taking your hurts to your head or your heart. In your head, you can analyze them find their causes and consequences and coin words to speak and write about them. But no final healing is likely to come from that source. You need to let your wounds go down to your heart. Then you can live through them and discover that they will not destroy you. Your heart is greater than your wounds. Holy cow, you are like rocking my world right now. And so, yeah, go ahead and chime in. More, you have one more. I don't know if I can handle it, Andy. It's so good. Go, uh, yeah. This is the reason I want to share this one. And this is, um, this is actually my personal journaling um, from October 19th, 2016, four years ago. This is literally the day before I found out I had cancer. The first time. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Before I was diagnosed with stage four cancer. I knew something was up with, with symptoms, right? But I didn't, I didn't know what. I didn't know how bad it was. I just knew something was going on. And so um, this is my journaling. Never shared this with anybody else, including my wife. But um, I wanted to share it with you all. Um, it talks about my wounds and what I want to do with them. So October 19th, 7.15 p.m., preparing for tomorrow's medical tests. And just having read some more of Awareness by Anthony DeMello and Becoming Wise by Krista Tippett. 
Anthony DeMello writes of how pleasure in life is delightful, but doesn't teach you anything. You're suffering. That's where the learning is. Suffering is an indication that there is something you are still working on learning. And so I want to pause here because in my faith tradition, I'll be using some words, but I want people who are listening just to substitute your own sense of a higher power, if you have that, or a sense of something beyond you. So I wrote here, so dear Lord, what is my current suffering bodily as well as the unknowing of its root cause or prognosis aiming to teach me? I am sure there is something there to be learned. Please help me to become aware of it, welcome it, and learn from it. In Krista Tippett's book, she retold a story from Rachel Naomi Remen. Rachel's story is about the beginning of the universe when all the world's light was in a single vessel. The vessel broke and splintered all the light into, quote, a thousand thousand pieces. Those pieces are hidden, embedded into all events and all places and all people living before us, living now, and yet to be born. It is up to us to find that light, reveal it, and thereby heal the world. So contemplating both DeMello and Tippett, what is my suffering offering to teach me at this time? What healing is there in the world and in me that is yet to be done? And how can my own life, however much is left of it, and indeed what I may leave behind, heal the world? And that's what I went into stage four cancer, not knowing it yet, in my heart, in my mind, in my soul. Seeking the purpose of it without even knowing you had it, Andy. Yeah. Yeah. That was going to come through this journey you were going to go on. Yeah. And, and, and isn't it remarkable? It's something you said earlier, Candace, about the, the stuff that's already in us, the seeds that are already planted. I mean, it, it was kind of odd, a little stunning to me just to reread that and knew what, and then now know what, what happened since. And, but all of us have that stuff inside of us. We have something that we know in our hearts, in our soul, in our bones, that, that needs to be shared. And, and what, what I discovered in going through cancer, which, frankly, one of my biggest hopes is that nobody has to go through cancer to realize this, right? Because I, I had this stuff inside me. Uh, cancer just pried it open more. Um, was, you got nothing to lose. Just share it. You know, share it all. And from when I was 24 years old and first went on a silent retreat, um, that's what first opened me up to the possibilities of, okay, this, the the past me that was trying to really protect my ego, I want to start letting go of that. And, And cancer for me was a way to open me up further and say, okay, there's, there's apparently, if I can survive this, God willing, um, there's more I want to share. There's more I want to do. And I don't want to mess around with trying to hold back and protect anything else. Um, I just want to share it with others. And I'll give you one, one quick example just of how 
this this has come to fruition now for me as as a leader. Yeah. Um, moved from uh, Target Corporation to United Health Group, yeah. and just letting go of 16 years at Target was <laughs> something I didn't think I would do. But I, I after going through the health journey I did, um, I wanted to work for this healthcare company. Mm. One of my first direct reports um, joins the team. And in my very first one-on-one with this person, um, you know me, Candace, I'm just going to share my story, right? I'm like, yeah, like I, I don't, right? I, I don't, yeah. I don't like share it as like, everybody must hear this as soon as we meet. But if I sense you don't it could be helpful. It, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't shy away. And if I sense it could be helpful, I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. And I thought, why not? And so I just shared, you know, I'm so happy to be at this company. Um, and frankly, I'm just happy to be here because I'm a stage four cancer survivor. And uh, I just want to tell you just a little bit about that and why I'm super excited to be here and to be working with you. And she said, well, what type of cancer? Tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me a little bit more about your journey. And she said, you know what? Um, I don't always tell people, but I had the exact same sort of cancer seven years ago. And I'm a survivor of that type of cancer. And would you believe it that since that time and the nine months we've been working with each other, she's been on my team, we've been on nearly parallel paths of a cancer recurrence and going through chemo and radiation. Like you can't make this stuff up, right? And what? I just I just got chills just imagining how, how close I feel this person, how we're able to just imagine like the work stuff we can get through knowing this we're an open book, right? <laughs> About and, and all the relative to what's actually happening in my life. There's a yes. perspective both of us share for what's Absolutely. happening in this meeting or conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. And and I can give this person feedback, very direct, positive, negative, whatever it needs to be. Mm. And think about if if I hadn't shared my shared my story, she hadn't shared hers, where we'd be at right now. Absolutely. You know, there's, there's something about bringing out potential in other people with our vulnerability that I believe in. And that recognition, that connection that happens when you do that. Like I'm thinking about parents who are really struggling right now at work because their kids are home learning, right? This is a shared and collective experience, but when we guard that and we don't acknowledge that, then we all just are trying to deal with it in this compartmentalized way that we could just normalize that instead. And it would be so much more productive and helpful. Oh yeah. Yeah. So true. And, and you know, there's, a, I, I get it right. When, if I'm putting on my business hat, that's a brand new, let's say group of people I don't know. Right. We all have that desire to look, to look good, to look in charge, look like we've got it put together, you know? And so, I, I don't want your listeners to come away from this like, well, he went through cancer, right? I did not. So not my journey. That's good for him. Don't what need to do that. an extraordinary story that isn't right. Yeah, very me. inspirational. If I ever go through cancer, I'll be sure to do that, right? Um, and w- what I would say is now looking back, right, through the gift of my own rewind, yeah. I can see that the times that I was vulnerable, like like starting my direct reports meeting with that quarter of the week or whatever it was, or the times I was able to um, 
list, tr- truly listen deeply and acknowledge something that somebody was sharing, not just like shy away, like, uh oh, yeah, too much information, can't go there, I'm your manager. You know, like, it, it can, it's a two way street, it's a multi way street. And whoever starts it, if we receive it well, if we show some empathy to their vulnerability, the magic can happen. It continues. Now, do you only practice vulnerability with the people who work for you, or do you practice vulnerability with people more senior than mm, you as well? Mm, mm. Definitely with people more senior than me as well. Yeah. In, in fact, um, it, it's, it's a key reason, frankly, why I think I got the job I did uh, at United, even though I didn't plan on leaving. I remember um, talking to the person who's now my manager and I, I want to mention just, you know, something beyond the, just the, the feelings part of vulnerability again, right? Let's, because there's, there's, there's a business and a personal focus here that's beyond just sharing your feelings. What I did when I was basically trying to get my new job at Target is I got super clear with, this is the work I want to do, mm-hmm. right? It's in four different categories for me. And instead of the typical resume, these are the four key skills and passions I have. And I can remember talking with the person who's now my boss on the phone for the very first time. And he's talking about the role. And I remember just this, this inclination in my head, like, I need to be really honest with him. Like, not going to hold this back. Right. And whereas the former me was in the mode of, well, you know what, I'm going to customize my resume. Ever done that? Right. And customize my resume and the cover letter. So I look exactly the perfect Right. Yeah. I'm going to cut and paste from the, exactly. from, the from the wreck. Look like exactly what you're looking for. That's right. And once I get in, we'll figure it out. Right. But right. let me get, um, but I'm like, that, that is so much bullshit now for me. Like I am not going to do that. I am just going to show up with my passions, my skills. And so here I am on the phone and I said to him, well, this role sounds intriguing, but I'll be honest with you. I feel like you'd be hiring like a quarter to a half of me. And frankly, I'm not going to make a move for my current job um, for only a quarter and a half of me, right? I want this. To, I'm an all. I'm not a job hopper. I'm an all-in kind of guy, right? So, if you're gonna like, what else? Like, what else you got for me? You know. And just as I said, I'm like, did I just say that? Did I just blow the interview? You know, like, are they like dial tone? Thanks, Andy. Um, <laughs> but instead, he went there and he said. Well, let me tell you about some of the other things we could do. You want to you want to do some public speaking and say you work at United Health Group? Done. We can do that. Had to do some follow up with legal and others, but that's why I can say that with you now, Candace. Honestly, amazing, right? Um, I want to be able to. I, I'm a trained executive coach. I'm certified now. I want to do that too, yeah. not just lead this team. Yeah. He's like, okay, let me hook you up. Let me get you contact with some people, and you know what? I was able to connect with some talent development folks and I did a single video over Zoom in, in COVID um, with this guy who works out of Ireland yeah. at United. And it was all about empathy. We had this little kind of rough script and we, we staged it and uh, we role played it. And once you know that after going through this, um, this, got, this got shared um, to more and more groups and passed around. And I got an email recently that said, just want you to know that this was used um, to train over 3000 leaders in our recent 
<laughs> session. Um, this is 90 seconds uh, of me and this guy showing empathy to each other. He's also asked me to be his mentor, by the way. But look at the, you know what, 90 seconds, and then we're acting for crying out loud, right? I'm just acting empathy. Like, I think that's another key message. Like, you don't, you know, fake it till you make it, or, or the phrase I prefer, fake it till, be, till you become it. Fake yeah. it till you be it. You can do that, and you can get 3,000 people, you know, or more, um, yeah. all thinking, oh, that's what I, that's what I want to do. There's so many things that you've said, Andy, in sharing your story and in um, sharing your great examples of why this matters to do it and why we should encourage leaders to to practice this even more. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things that are just sitting with me is that in that belief that you almost have to have that what's what's broken and imperfect in me, you what's broken and imperfect in you will recognize it if I'm willing to share it. And that we will become way more authentic if we can just get past the guardedness of our professional personas that we create. Um, I also mm. love that vulnerability for you meant getting past even your own bullshit, which was, you know, how dare I ask for what I want? How dare I suggest that this is what I need right now? And that there's a vulnerability yes. that you might fire me. You might not want me. You might not choose to do business with me that way if I were to just say it. But instead, what we do is we sort of suffer in silence instead. We complain mm-hmm. to others. We lament what isn't happening instead of sort of stepping out in, on those skinny branches and saying, this is, this is something I think is important to say. Yes. Yeah, the skinny branches. And I, I love that imagery. And I would, I would add to that, as you walk on the skinny branches, you realize they're really not that skinny. Like, yeah. Oh, this tree is bigger than I thought. You know, like I can actually hang out here. Maybe I can build a nest that I come back and visit, you know, that for me at least, experimenting with and then practicing vulnerability. Mm. Um, again, even though there there are times and situations where I'm I'm tempted and I do hold back. Um but the more I practice it, like the more I just feel like, okay, I'm I'm not going back. Like like I don't want this, <laughs> I don't want this bullshit that I was going through before with my, you know, personal stress. Frankly, of keeping stuff inside or wondering, ooh, maybe I should have said that, but I didn't. You know, no, just just say it, <laughs> and just share it, um, yeah. and and just ref- appropriately, appropriate, of course, yes, absolutely, and 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 just um. You know, you, this is, I, I love this conversation with you about it because you're also helping me really realize kind of a, a yin yang. You know, we talked about the two way street thing, right? Um, there could be a whole other uh, topic or category of just how do we bring out vulnerability in others? Yeah. One is, of course, sharing your own vulnerabilities, but another is listening, recognizing, showing empathy, reflecting, um, s- simple things. Yeah. And and the greatest leaders that I think about now, um, including I, I'm going to call out Dave Wickman, the leader of our of our whole organization. Yeah. When COVID struck, he decided to to fire up a of course virtual um, daily um, video podcast and just shared uh, openly about I I know this is tough for you all. 
So yeah. 325,000 employees across the globe, all seeing his face, yeah. talking about this and welcoming the vulnerability of this is tough, but you know what? We as a company were made for this and this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And then soon after that, this is what we're doing. This, this is what we're investing in. This is, we're, we're letting this person um, go on sabbatical to help get a vaccine out there. And in a way, like we could all do those as you do those sorts of things as human beings and as leaders, yeah. you know, say, Hey, this is tough. And I know it's tough. And you know what? Let that land. Let's talk about that. Not, not try and skirt, skirt past it. And then look at what we can build together moving on from that. When you see your CEO out there and he's out there day after day after day, and you know that it can only be so rehearsed, right? Cause mm-hmm. This person has a full-time job, not making daily podcasts, right? So it's only just so rehearsed. You're seeing them be authentic. You're seeing them say, I don't know all the answers. You're seeing the, I don't knows, and this is where we're at. And I don't have a five-year plan anymore. Like, right. When you, when you see that, what happened inside of you as an employee watching him do that? I, I, well, first of all, I felt an immediate, yes, I chose the right company. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like whatever other stuff I might see in the organization, you know, past the honeymoon period, like, oh, that's odd. Why are we still doing that? Or whatever it might be, right? If I know our leader, the whole organization is showing up this way, wow, then I can show up that way even more. And you know what? I heard from my leader, my own leader, my leader's leader, senior VP sorts of folks here, right? And people on my team who, without prompting, brought it up in my team meetings, like, wow, did you see? So, so now it's, it was started with Dave's Daily, now it's Wix Weekly. Um, they're like, oh, did you see the latest Wix Weekly? I'm like, no, I got to see the replay. What did he say? You know, like, oh, that was so cool. Like, this is like catching on like wildfire. I mean, that's, talk about corporate culture. That's what we can do. That's a pace car right there to keep up. Yep, so right. You keep saying practicing vulnerability. Mm. It's reminding me of an exercise. And I, you have a deck of these cards. I do. End, right? Yeah. Okay. So this is one way that we at the people side invite people to practice vulnerability as we use okay. these make a connection cards. Nice. So wouldn't it be fun if you and I just randomly pick out cards and I'm going to ask mm. you a question. I'm going to have you practice vulnerability. Okay. You got it. Me. Okay. I don't like that question because it's not vulnerable enough. <laughs> Do I get to do that for you then too? Or yeah, I, 100%. Go for, okay, most, find the most vulnerable cards. This is great. This is so live without a net. I love this. Okay. Well, okay, I like this one. Okay. What is an important lesson you learned the hard way? <laughs> lesson I learned the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? First thing came to my mind is cancer, but you already heard about that. So no, Nelson, you don't get to, don't get to do the, the free space and bingo with the cancer story again. Um, Give me the question one more time. I'll make sure I get it. An important lesson Hmm. learned the hard way. (laughs) Important lesson I learned the hard way. Hmm. Ask the tough questions as soon as you think of them. Hmm. How did you learn that? Yeah. I'm just thinking back to your, your very first question about how I was showing up before and how I like to show up now, how I aim to show up now, at least. Yeah. And I can remember being, a, a, well, any kind of meeting, 
and just being very aware of my surroundings. Ooh, I know the title of that person, the level of that person, that sort of thing. And just like, okay, know, know your point. scope. Your case Say that again. Your case yeah. in the joint. You're racking and stacking. Who's got case in the joint. I like that. Yeah, right. Who, who do I who do I schmooze with? Who do I stay away from? Yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Totally. It's um, unconscious neurological priming, by the way. That's totally is it? to do that. Okay, thank the you. I need to learn. status, we're doing it all the time. Yep. Oh, that's, that's good to know. I need to learn more about that from you. Thank you. Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what I was doing. So, but doing that so much, um, like I would suggest, I'm not sure if the neuroscience bears this out, but there's a, there can be a healthy amount of that, you know, okay. just being aware, okay. right? Um, awareness is good generally, right? Um, but man, it, it would get me, it would get me really fearful of, just bringing up a question. If, if it was mostly senior leaders and I thought this might be a stupid question, well, just don't say it then, right? Just <laughs> ask somebody later or just keep it to yourself or whatever. And I found myself in multiple situations now um, at, at, in new environments and new companies and new folks where I, I, I learned this, this recently um, from my counselor actually. Um, and by the way, I'm, that's one of the things I'm very vulnerable and happy to say is I have a therapist. I have a counselor. Do not try and go through life without one, especially don't cry and get through cancer without one, by the way. And I say that to men, women, anybody. Um, it's, it, and and I, uh, men especially, sometimes there's, there's, a, there's a thing about that. So I just want to be clear on that. If you need it. Uh-huh. Yes. Get, get the professionals. It's like, how long do you let the car rattle before you take it into the shop? You know, like, how's this working for you? Get a professional. Yeah. Anyways. My counselor taught me when, when I mentioned that I'm, I'm finding myself um, in, a, in a, a new edge of bravery, if you will. And part of that includes swearing, quite honestly. And, and she said, she learned recently that most, lang- most of language comes from a certain part of the brain, but swearing comes from a different part. It comes from the emotions, the emotional part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? And so I kind of... I'm continuing to lead into swearing because uh, which was just crazy, right? In a sense, like I've gone through areas in my life where I thought, well, I don't, I don't need swearing. Why would I need that? But for me, at least, I, I to close up finally my answer to your question, there are situations on calls where I just call out bullshit, you know, where I'm just like, you know, w- without needing to make anybody wrong necessarily, but just to say, I, I, think I don't get it. Why are we... Kind of. well, why are we, have we just talked 20 minutes about a milestone moving a week when we don't go live for nine months? Like, yeah. uh, why, why are we doing this again? You know, like just asking those questions and when necessary, yep, I've, full disclosure, I've dropped a couple of F-bombs in meetings where I just was like pissed off and had to, had to get that out there, not to be right about it. I didn't, I don't need to be right about it. I just need to be honest. Like, here's what's going on. And a couple of times, what's what's funny for me about this is then coming back to the Zoom calling, like, ooh, uh, who was on that? <laughs> you know. But the difference for me is like the after effect, like, like, hmm, might need to be a little reconnaissance on this one. But you know what? I got it out. It's all good. So good. Okay, my turn to ask you. You, I love yeah. that when I ask you an important lesson, <laughs> you've learned the hard way. You're like, I've learned to ask tough questions and just swear more. I love that. That's the answer. <laughs> Thank you for bottom lining. Thank you, you know, for bottom lining. There's an authenticity in, in profanity for sometimes. Um, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you a question on a scale of one to 10. Yeah. Because we do this with 
teams that we work with. Yeah. How vulnerable were you in answering that question? 10 being highly, highly vulnerable. Oh, huh. My intuition is I want to say a 10, but then I, my, I think it's my critical voice or my analytical that's saying, I don't know, maybe it was just a nine or eight. I'm not so sure. Yeah. If I asked you what's an important lesson you've learned the hard way as a dad, oh. would that feel more vulnerable for you or equally vulnerable for you to answer that? Yeah, probably more vulnerable. You want me to give a shout on that one? Let's do it. Whatever you feel comfortable with. Andy. Yeah, yeah. Less I've learned the hard way as a dad. Mm. Mm. Well, <laughs> this pivots back to swearing, but the, but the harms of swearing, um, and swearing, and and not just swearing, but the the stuff you say to your kids, you really can't take it back. Um, I can remember distinctly. There's there's a couple of scenes going through my mind. One one right now is. Um, kids were very young and, uh, something with the gate wasn't working on the stairs. And I just, just, I was just like, damn it. And just said that out loud. And I could just see the very young kids go, Oh, oh dad never says that what's going on, you know? And even though, you know, the analytical part of me, the part of me that knows that just shared swearing in some cir- circumstances can be good. Um, that was not good. That that was not good. And, and I still feel those wounds of little snapshots mm-hmm. of, yeah, not, not a good dad moment at all. Um, and, and I wish I could undo those. Yeah. I've learned that lesson as well as a mom. You cannot yeah. suck it back in. Yep. Yeah. All right. My I, turn for a question. I think, yeah. I think reciprocity is absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. Well, then we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pick a good one. Okay. Mm. Uh, that sounds too easy. Let's see. Um, mm. I love when we do this in the leadership living room, we hand the bowl around and we don't let them do exactly what I'm asking or what I'm letting us do right now. I'm like, whatever you draw, oh, okay. that's what it is. Okay. And you have to answer the question yourself, whatever you draw. And so it's just so yeah, yeah. To play with these cards now that People who have been in leadership living room with me are probably watching this and being like, you, you get to pick cards, huh? Like, that's nice. I never get to pick cards. <laughs> sure. Right. And then the reciprocity I asked for, like, well, if you get to pick, then I get to pick. I think I, I think I listened to a podcast where you, uh, you said you didn't like a question and you got to pick again. <laughs> All right. What, what Here's the one I found for you. Wedding now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is... What is the biggest challenge you face in your role right now? Oh my gosh. Well, there is an, a level five answer that came right into my mind. And so yeah. um, COVID is a level five answer for me. I run mm. an event-based business that can't have events. Mm. And it is an incredible challenge to try and pivot your business model and create an awareness of what you do now in a world that only sees you doing the thing that you've always done. Yeah. And um, creating experiences that I still feel deeply meaningful, despite the fact that we can't have the kinds of conversations we used to have. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you want my level 10 answer? You, you know, I do. Yes. My level 10 answer to that is that there are people on my team that are coming and going right now 
And it's because of the realities of things that we face. And it's also because of how I've handled myself as a leader sometimes in this crisis and that there's a, I've created moments of disconnect Mm -hmm. that I wouldn't have, I think in a normal business year, but I stopped communicating or I, I stopped being available in the way that I should have been. I, I think I was cocooning in some ways and just trying to deal with the loss of what I had built. And I mean, it wasn't effective leadership that I was demonstrating. And there are people who are making new choices in their life because I responded that way. And it really breaks my heart because I love these human beings. Mm. And yet, you know, the work has to go on. The The mission is deep within me. So we will persevere through that. But man, it, it that is my level 10 answer. The biggest challenge I have in my role is trying to find new partners and losing people who I love. Um, yeah. Yeah. What do you want to do instead of cocooning? I think what I've moved, what I'm moving towards is the reimagination of what's possible now. Mm. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm, it's a transforming that has to happen for our company, for me as a leader and Transformation takes time, and sometimes in that cocooning phase, you lose connection with people, I think. And it's costing me big <laughs> that I had to go through that. But I, I believe that there is something even greater on the other side. I, I love that you started with the level five answer. You self-identified it. Yeah. <laughs> you went to the 10 um, and reimagining and reinventing and emerging from the cocoon. Yeah. That's that's beautiful, Candace. It's mm. it's always just right there for us to be even more real with each other. Yeah. Amen you know, to that. Playing it safe, that is that is a real feeling that I just felt just now. Like I could play it safe or I could I could be really real about about it. Yeah. With you knowing that, oh my gosh, those people could maybe listen to this podcast or whatever it might be, but yeah. it's my truth. It's the, it's real. It's real. Thank you for sharing your truth. I just, I felt it too. Like I, I know other people will watch this and just know that in my head, but at this moment, I'm feel like it's just you and I having this conversation. Me too. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that vulnerability and yeah. this card deck how cool is that like that's what i thought we had downshifted and, and gotten as deep as we could but we we went farther thank you uh, you know these cards and we're building this team talk around this andy so that we you know we yeah. can help leaders have more vulnerable conversations with their team and i'm really excited to bring these self-guided conversations to leaders because I mm-hmm. think there's these holy moments that we have as leaders mm-hmm. where we want to get into more intimate conversations with our teams. And even just having us in the room is sometimes awkward because uh, we're yes. not part of the team. And so now we're enabling the teams to have these cards and have the team talks and be able to do this themselves. So oh, that's terrific. talk about something that's now possible. We weren't ever going to do that if we were just always in the room ourselves. Yeah. Right. And, and intimacy and vulnerability, that's, it's very possible. You know, we're, we're all forced to, to try it out now, thanks to COVID, but um, it's, it's cool to experience it. And, and 
it, it was fun to experience it with you on this yeah. as well. Same. As we wrap this conversation mm-hmm. up, mm-hmm. one of the most amazing things you ever said to me was, um, you hoped God would not take away your cancer until you learned everything it had to teach you. So as we end this conversation, can you just offer what you have learned about vulnerability and encourage those leaders who are considering doing the vulnerable thing on Monday or saying the vulnerable thing tomorrow? Um, What encouragement would you leave them with? It is so worth it. It is just so worth it. Um, and what I've noticed through my journey is that it, there was internal work that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about, you know, again, the gift of hindsight, but getting clear myself, like being honest with myself was important and journaling was one way I did that. Mm-hmm. And frankly, to read that back again today, like, oh, <laughs> now I need to hold myself even more accountable for doing that, you know, but being vulnerable with myself, if you will, and honest, and then sharing it with your, with an inner circle of trusted friends. We can all do that, you know, and we've, we've all, I think, experienced something like that with a trusted friend or a trusted mentor or a trusted coach. Um, and the, the great news is you can expand wider than you think you can. Yeah. You can take that inner circle and you can make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And one quick little story that maybe I can end on here is that just after my stage four cancer journey, before it came back and before I had left Target, one of my leaders, who's a great leader, Beth Rolfson, she gave me the opportunity to tell my story in front, in front of the entire target supply chain organization. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And initially it was, well, there would be several people that are going to tell their personal stories. It was a, who we are was the like, Oh great. Yeah. I can, I can be one of those. And then getting close to showtime. It's like, well, actually there's only one other person that's going to present and it's going to be, the executive vice president of the entire organization. And then you'll follow him by the way. <laughs> great. So that's, that's a great place to be vulnerable. <laughs> and you know what, as I was preparing for that talk, thankfully I'd been given, you know, a couple months notice. And I, I went on one of those three day silent Jesuit retreats at this place called the Montreville before about a month before. And I can remember thinking and feeling and praying about what I needed to share. And I can remember these thoughts coming to my head like, oh, remember that, remember that time when you were depressed in, in college and got kicked out of college due to grades? Like, hmm. like, and I'm like, do I have to share that? Why would I share that? Yeah, you should probably share that. Mm-hmm. Because it became part of the story that I told mm-hmm. in front of that organization. Um, many, many vulnerable pieces of information that I, that I decided to share because I saw how this tapestry of my story before cancer, during cancer, after cancer could potentially help others. And once you know that, like, after I shared that many, many people reached out to me personally 
to either have some coaching time or to just share their story. And it just touched my heart. I'm getting chills now just describing it, just how vulnerable they were with me. Mm-hmm. And you here's the safe in their mind. Yes. Yes. You were vulnerable. You got marked safe. As you got it. And they could be vulnerable with. Yeah. You got it. And people would, many told me like, well, I couldn't share that. I'm like, why not? You could share your story. Like do it. What would be helpful? Right. How yeah. can I help? And the, the, the real pay dirt for me, in addition to showing up, starting to show up more and more like that as a leader mm-hmm. was um, what it did for me is, you know, the next day walking into work, you know, there was a little bit of a critical voice. It's like, did I just share all that yesterday to like everybody <laughs> on these floors? Like, did I? Hmm, that, why a vulnerability did I? hangover is what I heard yeah. they call it the other day. <laughs> That's perfect. Vulnerability. Yeah. Like, well, why hmm, did I need to share that? I don't know if that was right. You know, but that was a tiny voice. And I'm like, uh-huh. be gone. And I'm like, you know what? I'm the one person who walked into this building today. And like, I got nothing to hide from anybody. <laughs> you know it all. Yeah. Up to you how you receive it, or if you want to, you know, you could judge me, whatever, you could share your story or not. If any of that is okay, any response is okay. But what I know for me, yeah. in my heart, in my breath, in my soul, how much every time I have left from this day forward is no secrets. I'm an open book. I've shared that. And now it's back to you. I love that. I think. I think everyone understanding their own story and making a conscious decision about why I would be willing to share it with others and how it might be in service of others is such a powerful final thing for us to end this conversation on. It's a call to action for each of us as individuals. And it's an invitation for your company to create the spaces for those kinds of connections, those deeper connections than just another meeting, another toll gate, another whatever. This is a moment where we could connect more deeply together as people since we spend so much time together and that it would actually help us be more open, honest, and trust each other in all the work we have to do. Yes. And every seed you plant with your vulnerability or with reflecting it can grow. And, And then you're building other leaders who are also vulnerable. And it pays business dividends. This is Yes, there's personal gain and there's personal truth and honesty and breath and calm and less stress. Um, And it matters to your business because you are building leaders that are loyal and dedicated and engaged and building trust. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Andy Nelson, for this conversation. I knew it was going to be good. But it was even better than I thought. Awesome. Oh, you touched my heart. This was so wonderful, Candace. Thank you so much for the time and the opportunity. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the Leadership Living Room today. We really hope that you found this conversation to be valuable. If you want to learn more about this topic or you want to lead this conversation with your team, go check out the show notes for this episode. You can also help us reach and teach more leaders in the world by sharing and subscribing to this podcast. That way we can tell you when new episodes become available. My team is on a mission to humanize the workplace one leader at a time. So we invite you to learn more about what we're doing by visiting our website at www.thepeopleside.com.